I'm here in the Dodgers dugout with Matt Kemp, and he has something to say to you guys. Listen to Cautiously Optimistic. There you go. And we back. And we back. And we back. Hey, it's been a minute, but your boy back with it. All right? Uh, your boy's back with it. And it's episode 71. Uh, we didn't discuss who it was going to be, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it's the Trent Williams episode. Uh, shout out to Washington out here. Uh, the best left guard in the game. Um, great dude. Always playing through pain. Uh, real gritty. And I, that's kind of like what we are. We're, we're a podcast of grit for sure. We are definitely a gritty podcast. And we're welcoming Sully again back here through audio visual technology from Wyoming. Sully just started uh, the new job this past week. How did that go? And give us the update, Sully. But everything's been good. It's uh, it's been a fun time. Uh, Wyoming's cool. The weather's getting nicer and nicer. Um, it like apparently snows in May here, so like they're just mm. really starting summer right now. Mm. Uh, so that'll be fun to look forward to next year. Um, but, but yeah, beyond that, you know, everything is good. I've enjoyed the time, and I actually have uh, a little you know fun fact for you guys. I had one for the other show uh, about the area codes in Wyoming. I think I'm just going to make this the thing. There is one what? escalator in the entire state. One escalator in the entire state. One. Wow. How, is it like a famous thing? Like, like do people go to ride the escalator? I guess. Second fun fact for you here. Uh, the other day, I finished uh, a Gatorade. I had a you know plastic bottle, and I go to my buddy. I'm like, "Hey, you got recycling?" Uh, and he's like, "No, we don't do that in this state." And I was like, Ouch. "Maybe it's a little kind of a California thing, but." <laughs> It'd just be a nationwide deal at this point. That also doesn't even, like, I feel like Wyoming would be a state that it would for sure be, like, I thought you were going to say, like, they only recycle. No. Like, yeah, I know it is a very uh, conscious state as far as, like, conservation of nature and everything, but not for plastic, I guess, so. <laughs> That's interesting. I also noticed, I mean, obviously you drove out there when we know that and you, you took the car, but you are now solely riding horses around, am I correct? Yeah. I've traded the end. I've traded in my car, you know, the Civic. I now ride a horse. It's good. I'm sure you guys all saw that on the, on the gram. That yeah. was a, I hadn't been on a horse since I was like five years old in Griffith Park. <laughs> you know, people just lead you around. And that's essentially what happened there. I picked the best clip because it was the one where the woman was guiding me the least. Because really, she just walked me around the parking lot. And that's what happened. Yeah, I was actually but, disappointed it took you two weeks to get on a horse. I was expecting you to get out of the car when you got there and immediately got on a horse. But I guess you, they kinda, you had to learn your job stuff and that kind of thing, too. The, the least important stuff first, and then you get on the horse. Right. You on the rides. And it was weird because I was at the rodeo the week before. And I was watching, you know, like the basically like Thal Bronc riding, you know, the, the Buck and Broncos for you, you know, Californians that don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, there was a, like a, a, a small glimmer of me. I was like, if I trained at this for like a year, I think I could do it. And then I went on the horse that was going less than a mile an hour. And I was like, oh, there is no chance nope. I could ever. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good experience. It's fun to do. If you guys ever come out, I'll get you on a horse. I can guarantee that. I got a, the woman's number who owns them all. So <laughs> she's, a, she's always willing. Actually, she was like, hey, if you ever want me to bring these in the studio, they can go inside and we'd be happy to do that. So that's my next goal <laughs> for the newscast is to get some horses live in the studio i think that's how you're gonna have to roll up to kanye's compound on a horse for the report yeah i mean i think that'd be the only way to do it roll through the hillsides and just pull up on the horse they would know i'm, I'm the real deal then not uh, not really messing around although jackson hole where kanye was has been described to me as if you took beverly hills and you just put it straight in the bayous of louisiana 
Um, that's kind of the comparison. So people in Wyoming where he's living don't really consider that to be like real Wyoming. I, uh, I also saw you talking some Rockies bullpen uh, on the sports show last yeah. night. And I got to ask, the Rockies, they spent all this money on the bullpen. And I think it might be the worst bullpen in the majors. And what's it like having to go in there and kind of defend a, a bullpen like that, especially, you know, a team that you don't really, you kind of rooted against your entire life? Yeah, and I'm actually going to be posting that full clip later tonight or tomorrow morning, and we kind of go into that. You know, they spent $100 million this offseason fixing the bullpen, uh, and then they're just pretty much trash. You know, Wade Davis is a closer. He has 20-plus saves, something like that, but his ERA is also above four. So it's weird to talk about a team besides the Dodgers, but it comes with the territory when you're working in this field, I guess. So, And I guess it's, it's probably nice that it's the Rockies, so they're in the NOS, and it's not like it's not like you're it's the Brewers or someone random that you haven't really paid attention to. Yeah, the guy who's producing the segment, he basically, um, like, he knows I'm a Dodger fan. He's a Red Sox fan. So we had some, you know, a B-roll over me talking at one point, and it's just Chris Taylor hitting an absolute nuke off one of the Rockies pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> we like to see that. Yeah, so I can't be too mad about it. But, yeah, it's, it's good, you know, it's, it's good to, to do all that and kind of get the support some of the way, but same time like, i'm excited to talk to some dodgers today too you know? oh, yeah. and another understated thing about your first live shot there that's going to go up later today i mentioned this to you on instagram but uh the pen in your hand as you were talking was essential i, re- I thought it really solidified your appearance on tv a true tv guy with the pen looking at your host side to side i think you nailed it re- very well for the first time i appreciate that man yeah i tried to, to get some movements like that uh mainly because i like have very fidgety hands so I didn't want to like tap the desk because if I'm holding something, it makes it a little better. I didn't get a couple <laughs> taps in either way, though. You know, so a lot to work on. That. It's always a work in progress, boys. Just like we do every day. Exactly. Can't wait to see more from Sol. And as we've been talking about, go to his Instagram or wherever he's posted Twitter. Uh, he's going to post up that full video of uh, the Rockies bullpen, and we can see Chris yeah. Taylor hit that nuke. You know what I'm saying? So go to his thing. Watch the homie out there in Wyoming getting his first one in. We love to see it. Rocks talk. Rocks talk. Is that is that a hashtag rocks talk? You can hashtag it if you want. <laughs> Were they not allowed to do no you could do rock talk? I think well they're the Rockies. Rocks talk. R O X. Yeah. Oh it's R O is it R O X? I spelled it like that when I was saving everything because I thought it was funny. <laughs> but uh, I don't have to graph it for anything next time, but yeah. It's rocks talk. I feel like I feel like and it's not to, you know, just throw shade at the station that you were working for. I just feel like Rock Talk sounds better, you know? Well, next time, you know, if you're ever a sports director, Dusty, you can make sure that happens. I'll make sure about that when I'm a sports director in, in Wyoming uh, and we're talking about the Rockies. I'll make sure that we're doing Rock Talk instead of Rocks yeah. Talk. And so, you know, we obviously are still getting used to the new idea of this, of this you know, long-distance chat here, but just, I understand you've got something new for us today as well. Yeah, so we have a new segment here um we're gonna call it the pop quiz and basically what's gonna happen is i'm gonna test these boys knowledge today um it's gonna be a sports question they have no clue what the question is yet only i know the question they're gonna have 15 seconds to name as many of something as they can so what we're gonna have to do here is we're gonna have to hang up on sully first here um so that he can't hear nick's answers and then we're gonna bring sully back and he's going to do an answer, and we're going to see who gets more. All right? And then, uh, I don't know, if we, do we want to put a wager on this? Wow. Ten, ten push-ups? We can start, with, t- we can start um, with that. Yeah, if I lose, I'll do ten push-ups. 
And if and Nick loses, he has to freeze a Lucky Boy burrito and send it to me. Oh. Okay. Okay. I can do that. I just really fiend for a burrito. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would do that for you, Sully. I know you've been so far away from Lucky Boy, and we'll get we'll talk about Lucky Boy more later. But I think that's a good that's a good one. We'll do that. <laughs> so now we we do have to hang up on you here, Sully. So. Sully is out of the room and not able to hear us. Um, so I'm going to ask Nick these questions first, then we're going to go to Sully. Um, basically, let's just go into it. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. In 15 seconds, name as many draft picks from this NBA draft as you can. Go. Luka Doncic, Colin Sexton, uh, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Jerome Williams, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Mo Bamba, uh, uh, Mo Wagner. um. Done. Done. (laughs) Nick clocks in with seven picks. Seven correct answers, okay? So now we're going to bring Sully back in here. It doesn't look like you did well. That's, uh, you know, that's a, who you knows? Know. Who knows? All right, Sully, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. 15 seconds on the clock. You have 15 seconds to name as many draft picks from this year's NBA draft as you can. Ready? Go. Michael Porter Jr., DeAndre Ayton, um, Marvin Bagley, uh, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, um, Mo Wagner. Um, Done. That's it. I lose that one, I'm guessing. Nick got excited. Nick got excited. Nick clocked in with seven. Sully with six, so that means, Sully, you're going to have to do ten push-ups here at some point throughout uh, the podcast. We'll let you decide when you want to do them, but I want these ten from you by the time this podcast is over. That It was actually tougher than I thought. We, all this draft talk that we've been it, like consuming these past few days, and I was like blanking on these names for some reason. That's how it goes. <laughs> when you get put on the spot, it's, it's a lot tougher than you think. Yeah, if there was one stadium game I would not ever want to play at Dodger Stadium, it would be this one. Because it's so hard to remember things on a, sh- a time clock like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that, though. It was, a good, it was a good first go around. It's a fun little game, testing the knowledge, testing who stays cool under pressure, who might not, you know? Are yeah. you going to freeze up, or are you going to take the win? Yeah. That's true. I, I will say, you know, Sully just had a live shot that he recorded before this podcast. So, I mean, I think he was already, you know, had his... Juice is flowing earlier, so maybe he used them all out, and maybe that's why he came one one pick short. But I, I would never doubt Sully in the next round because I know he wants that Lucky Boy burrito. And speaking yeah. speaking of Lucky Boy, or Sully, you were gonna say something? No, I'm just saying the next time I'm gonna come prepared. I'm gonna I'm gonna have some more research just on every topic. You know, I feel I'll do well. I'm just glad I got the Lakers pick in. Got four of the five top five picks. Uh, so that's not bad. The tough, the tough part about that, actually, I was thinking Clippers, Lakers, and you know the LA teams because this is an LA podcast. And then I was going Lakers pick, and then the second, the second Lakers pick is the guy with the crazy last name who I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Svi Mikhailuk. Svi Mikhailuk. There it is. That's the first time I've heard it pronounced. Yeah, a lot of like we took him. I'm sure we'll get that more in a bit. But uh, yeah, I saw his photo, like the image of him, right in my mind, and I was like, I don't know how to say that guy's name. <laughs> so. I went with Mo Wagner, and uh, 
Yeah, that is that. Yeah, well, Jesse, we appreciate you for you know, telling us the correct pronunciation because I had no yep. idea what it was. Um, but I was going to say, you know, that bet, if I had lost, I would have had to send a Lucky Boy burrito to Sully. Um, but I just wanted to quickly give another shout-out to Lucky Boy, our sponsor for episode 71. Sully, it's been a while since you've had Lucky Boy, and I know you've been dreaming about it uh, there in Wyoming. What, what can you remember about the magical place that is Lucky Boy? Yeah, luckily I've been there a thousand times, so it's, it's very staying in my mind. Last week I talked about the breakfast sandwich. Obviously the breakfast burrito is always on my mind. But right now I just want to give a little love to the, the classic just cheeseburger. You know, the cheeseburger and fries there are just always a heavy bitter. Anything you get on the menu is going to be fire. So I need, again, to do y'all, uh, you need to do me a favor. Get to Lucky Boy as soon as possible. I know you two have been there probably about every day, but I need the people to go. Check it out. If you haven't had Lucky Boy in your life yet, you are making a serious mistake. That's very true, Silly, and you talked about it. Everything on the menu is fire, whether you're getting a breakfast burrito with chorizo, chili, sausage, or you're, you might switch it up a little bit, getting a garden burger, getting the shrimp plate. It doesn't matter. Everything they make is good. Everything is on that that beautiful, beautiful grill that they have um, with so much character. It just makes everything better. And if you want to see more, one of my best things I've ever done was follow them on Instagram uh, at lucky underscore boy underscore restaurants on Instagram. And they're posting up Taco Tuesdays, breakfast burrito pics, and uh, I can't get enough. Yeah, I can't get enough either. Their pictures have been on fire lately on Instagram there. So please give them a follow. They have a Twitter account as well. And if you want to know even more information, we actually met with Lucky Girl, the owner of the restaurant, Christina Caragius, in episode 62. That was about nine episodes ago, but you can find it on our SoundCloud, on our social media. It's all there. It was a great episode, and Lucky Boy has been a wonderful sponsor, and we encourage everyone out there, as Sully and Jesse said, to make a stop at Lucky Boy and enjoy for themselves. And moving over to the MLB, the Dodgers are finally playing well like the team that we thought they were at the beginning of the season after coming off that World Series, having a great June, great offense. Kershaw's back, looked okay. His first game back, he didn't go to a rehab start. Rich Hill back, grand slams up the butt in New York. Everything's going pretty well right now, and I'm happy about it. First of all, just a weird uh, way to say that, uh, grand slams up the butt. Uh, wasn't expecting that, but yeah, there were some... Some nice grand slams back to back. Sully's face right now. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. What was tough was you saying grand slams up the butt. Um, but you you touched on also Kershaw not making the rehab start. Uh, interesting play. Thought we were actually going to get one. But how do you feel about that, Sol? Yeah, it's interesting. First, I'd like to say if Nick could some find a way to include grand slams up the butt and Zaddy in the same sentence, he probably uh, <laughs> really like reach an all time low there. Uh, trying to avoid that. Yeah, you know. It's crazy to think how, you know, they could be on pace to, like, beat their season record, I think, for home runs in a month, which they did last season. Um, obviously, back-to-back nights with the Grand Slams is incredible, uh, especially when you have Cody kind of picking it up, too. That was good to see Matt a pinch to that bat there. It was, it was fantastic. And just that, that that last game on Sunday, having seven home runs in the game, the most in, I think, the modern era of baseball uh, in a single game. I'm not really sure when they consider it the modern era to start ever, but... Either way, they hit a bunch of tanks, and that's all that really matters because we love being in dangers. So it was great to watch. I actually got to watch all those games this weekend. Two of them are on Fox. Game tonight is on Fox. Game, the next two nights are on, uh, I think, a different MLB network or something like that. So good to see some Dodger baseball out here, and I'm just counting down the days until I get to see them live in August. 
Yeah, you mentioned the two different eras of, Do- of Dodger baseball, and I was going to say there's the eras of Justin Turner, the Mets era, and the Dodgers era, and I'm just happy that we've gotten Justin Turner on the Dodgers, playing much better ever since the Mets let him go, and again, continues to torment the Mets, hit the game-winning home run in extra innings, the seventh homer of the day, as you mentioned, Sully, yesterday. And he's another player who you know is coming around as well. Uh, he, he came back, had some soreness in the wrist, had to be shut down a little bit, but I think he's finding his footing. I think everything is sort of progressing in the right way for this team right now. Um, I, I guess the only thing that we need uh, right now, I guess, would be to get Walker Bueller back, and I, I believe Julio Urias should be, you know, on the horizon there soon, uh, soon as well. And we, we've also been talking about big dingers. I mean, you talk about how last year they had five guys hit over 20 home runs or 20 or more. Um, this year, it's looking like it could be six, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah, and that's a, all on behalf of, of Mr. Muncie. I think you know, obviously, I was thinking the other day like. It's tough that he lost his rookie eligibility two years ago playing sparingly because if not, he would certainly be the front runner or one of the front runners in the National League for Rookie of the Year. So we're going to need Walker when he comes back to continue the pace he's at so we can go back to back to back with that. But Nick, like you said, I think Justin Turner and the Mets, you know, that is something that they'll never be able to get over. And, and it also it just shows kind of the way that their system works. Because the biggest reason that he, I think, didn't have success there that they tried to change his swing. You know, he's kind of one of the uh, trailblazers as far as the high leg kick maybe swing uh, with more of a, like an attack angle as our friend Jason said stuff like that Turner had been trying to do that out of college and the Mets whole basically organization said you can't do that and drove it to a point at least because he wasn't performing but that just goes to show you you know as far as coaching goes you really gotta let your guys do the thing and, and be able to buy into their own program and obviously there's some things you want to change here and there but God feels comfortable doing something. Uh, you know, this is a perfect example. Of you got to let them at least go out and try it. And if it doesn't work, then fix it. But don't fix things from the start when they don't need fixed. Yeah, um, I was just—it was just funny to see Mets Twitter reacting to Justin Turner's home run yesterday. And Mets Twitter—they uh, they seem like a very tortured fan base, and you know, understandably so. They started off this year very well, eleven and one. Adrian Gonzalez was even on the team, and they've since kind of abandoned that plan and decided to go for the youth movement here. Um, so it, it was a series the Dodgers had to win, and glad they got the sweep. Um, but then after the sweep, uh, Monday, the new week rolls around, and we get uh, Yasiel Puig, body issue, uh, the peanuts, the peanut vendor, Yasiel Puig. What did you guys think of that? <laughs> uh, I think, Nick, the reference there, I don't, I don't know if you're joking now, but that was to the peanut gallery. And he's one of the guys that was always talking about people like talking trash to him, always kind of on that. I think that was what they're getting out there. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious. I love to see the body issues. It's always interesting. You know, I remember my classic favorite was Prince Fielder when he did it. Classic. Um, <laughs> it pick up a wide like range of athletes always, and I always think that's interesting. Um, and Puig was no exception there. I think he killed it. I uh, got a lot of people in Los Angeles excited. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about. We've been talking about big dingers, and and here we are talking about the body issue. Possibly still talking about big dingers. I mean, Yasiel's really out there getting it done, and and. I think it couldn't have been a better shoot with the whole peanut gallery and the peanuts, and it, it, it was a so we're just very gonna, good thing. So we're just gonna let that one slide. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That was that was great. I, the way I did that was amazing. All right. Yeah, I thought about mentioning a big trunk, but I let Jesse do it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah well, either way, uh, it's, it's it was funny to see and. 
I'm also very happy to see something we mentioned on the last podcast, the all-star voting. Matt Kemp has now uh, raised his value to number two in the voting for outfielders. I think it's very deserving. He had a pinch hit grand slam over the weekend, and I'm very happy that the fans are now you know, picking up steam here with the voting, and I think we got to continue to push hard, uh, campaign hard for him here, and we would like to keep him up there in the starting outfielder spot because I don't think he's made the team since... 2012 or something like that and and yeah like you said like we got to push hard and I think one of the main things that happened was when he actually went and pushed the guy in uh and got that suspension I think that was actually one of those moments that we're gonna not necessarily look back on at the end of the year to be like this is when Matt Kemp became a Dodger because I think he had that support before that but that was one of those moments where it was like oh he he's really here like this is kind of one of those things where he's proving himself not just on the field and, and, and his performance it's one of those things where he's like he really just does want to be a Dodger again and, and really yeah. play here in the ravine a lot of people I guess took um, I don't want to say like took offense but were upset with Cody Bellinger for not like laying the catcher out and, and coming to Matt's defense and there's some photos of him kind of looking awkward I thought that was sort of weird he did get there in time and you know hitting someone in that situation in today's league is just like an automatic seven game suspension Yeah. and for him who's like just starting to get hot that wouldn't have been a great thing. Um, but to kind of switch it up on you, to talk from current Dodgers to future Dodgers, uh, Bryce Harper said he uh, was probably going to be in the home run derby this year. Jess, I know that's your guy. Uh, and the All-Star game is in D.C. He's going to show out big year uh, for the you know the Caps already. Obviously, we don't hope that the Nationals uh, repeat that in any way, but fun to have the All-Star game there. Are you excited to see your man Bryce hit some dingers? I'm excited for Bryce to hit a bunch of dingers. I think he said it last year he was going to go uh, being when they got to D.C. And so... Um, I'm super pumped. I hope he grows that beard back out by then because, you know, he, he doesn't look bad, but the beard is just so nice. I just want to see that again uh, by, I mean, it's not going to get that big by all-star time, I would assume. Um, but he needs to grow that thing back out and, and get it done in the home run derby. Not, I think he will. I mean, he's going to be hitting against some big guys, I'm assuming, the Stans of the world, maybe even, you know, Gary Sanchez if he's back in time because uh, he just got on the, the DL. But, um those I mean, you, judge and have all the Yankees on. Exactly. So he's going to be facing some competition, but he knows that park better than anyone, and uh, he's going to have the power of the home base behind him. Uh, we're going to get that done. Bryce is taking it down. I was, I'm actually yeah. surprised by your reaction to the beard. I thought you would have more of a negative reaction to it because uh, he does look very different without the beard. And mentioning uh, hair and facial hair, Jesse, I saw on Twitter recently that you put out a question uh, about should you bring the mullet back? Mm-hmm. And I think this is a very important question, not just for you, but for the entire podcast and our audience here at Cautiously Optimistic. I personally am very much in favor of it. Um, we all remember, if you, don't, if you don't remember, Jesse had a mullet back in the day, even shaved L.A. in the side. I think that's definitely uh, doable again here. And Sully, would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, i just like to ask Jesse if he remembers who shaved L.A. in the side. Uh, that was Sullivan. Oh, was it? That was. Wow, I did not know that. Well, even, even better. So I think uh, another... Uh, I mean, it would be tough for you to do it in, now that you're in Wyoming, but I think another uh, mullet, at least, would be good for Jesse. Well, this is this yeah. is the end of the day. It's been I, I've been getting more tempted to do it in, in recent months, and now um, I'm hoping to, to be able to find a time to do it. But um, I gave it up to the Twitter followers, and, and Twitter came through and said that I should bring the mullet back. It was actually closer than I well, – I was honestly expecting it to say no when Twitter came through, but the Twitter came through and gave us a yes. It was a tight victory uh, for, for yes, but the vote is not over. I'm going to be taking this to Instagram, both my own and the Cautiously Instagram 
So you're going to be able to vote on that as well. By the time that this podcast is up, you can go to our, uh, you can go to our at Cautiously Pod, and you can go to mine at Jesse Brum, and, and put your votes in on should I bring back the mullet. And of course, if I were to bring back the mullet, the LA is coming back in the side. That's not a question. That's an obvious of course, we're doing that. Unless, of course, you want to go with the CO on the side. That's, I mean, I have two sides of my head. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah, last time we went three stripes in LA, so could we go CO? That's going to be a little harder one to put in. But I think, yeah, if you start growing it now, it'll be primed up and ready to go for the World Series in October. Um, and you'll be looking good to go, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think next time I cut my hair, I'm, I'm going to at least start preparing it. Um, and then I, it, it'll take a while. But... If it comes down and it doesn't happen, I'll be able to shave it off, but we're going to start preparing it and see how it goes. Oh, well, we can't move on without talking probably about my favorite story last week. Uh, El Chapo Hanley Ramirez, uh, in one of the most predictable twists of all time, is now being investigated for some kind of, you know, drug deal, apparently, with uh, his buddy. His buddy just called him and basically looped him into this. But basically... I just, I gotta say, Hanley, his whole experience there was just, I couldn't believe it. At the same time, I totally could believe it because it's Hanley Ramirez and we saw all the crazy antics of the in Los Angeles. Um, what do you guys think about this whole deal, though? What is a, What are your initial reactions? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the latest report is now saying that Hanley allegedly had no idea about the deal and this guy kind of just dropped his name when he was confronted by the cops. Um, obviously, there's more investigations to be done here, but... I'm with you, Sully. You mentioned that Hanley would probably be the guy that you would most think would do this. Um, you know, he's always kind of been an interesting guy like that. I don't know if I would have expected a drug deal, but um, I'm not. I don't think he actually did anything wrong. I think this his his friend. I think he just needs to find new friends. Essentially, I think the friend just dropped his name, and uh, that's kind of the deal of it, right there. Hanley, Hanley, like uh, allegedly, like look, there's a good chance he's involved. Like let's let's just keep it a buck and like he just messed up like I mean you got guys like like Wayne and like all the, like the rappers they have people to do their dirty work for them but they are involved you know that's my kind of uh, thoughts on this but yeah. I don't say I want to say I wasn't I was surprised because I wasn't surprised but uh, if I was to pick one player I think it'd be Bartolo <laughs> but I don't think he'd get caught that's the difference yes because Bartolo has two families so he needs a secondary source of income. Uh, to, to supplement both, so just food for thought there. But yeah, I agree with you. Lots, of, that, lots of food for thought for Bartolo. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's wild and it's interesting. You know, it's like you hear about like I remember Queen's story about how he got to America, and that's obviously on the other side of things. But he was using the Mexican mafia, and he was held up in a hotel room and all that stuff. Uh, it's a sometimes you just have guys that come from a different life, and it's hard to escape that. But. Uh, at the same time, Hanley, I don't think he's in a position where he's too worried about money after signing multiple multi-year million-dollar contracts. So, uh, yeah, Nick, I think you're right. Maybe some new friends. You should hang out with Clayton Kershaw a little more often. Uh, maybe they can squash their beef from the old uh, no-hitter perfect game. Yeah, I don't think Clayton wants to hang out with Hanley Ramirez after that anymore. <laughs> I think we're about that. And one thing I will say is, like, obviously he messed that up. Um, but should Hanley have really been playing short that season at all? <laughs> Probably not. Probably so not. I think it, it goes both ways. Because uh, I think he did move to first base the year after, which does that. Uh, usually you go like short to third to first, but he just went straight to first because they're like, dude, you're not doing it. And that, you kind of go the Miguel Cabrera route where you can just put it on weight and try and hit home runs. And I like it because we're going from the yeah. one to the 
reminds me of my high school baseball career. They were grooming me to be a middle infielder, and freshman year I was second base, uh, sophomore year I was shortstop, and it did not go well, so they moved me to first base for my junior year, and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, first base is a good spot to be, underrated. Uh, you just kind of get to chill and pick stuff out of the dirt. Yeah, yeah. it was a nice uh, junior and senior year chilling over there. <laughs> it's great. I love first. So the NBA draft was on Thursday, and uh, I think the top three, four-ish kind of went exactly how we were expecting, uh, especially since Woj tweeted out six hours before uh, the draft started what the first, I think, six were going to be or five. Um, I don't think he was 100% correct on it, but top three were right, and we're going to get more into Woj and his tweets a little bit later. But um, I think we can all agree that the best thing that happened on draft night was that Leangelo is not a Laker. <laughs> not even on the summer roster. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And they acknowledged that it wasn't even simply just a basketball decision. So that uh, is a little little shot at LeVar as well. Yeah, uh, Leangelo did not make a team or the Lakers summer league team. Thomas Welsh, though, barely did. Squeaked in there at pick number 58, I believe, Jesse. So, you know, I guess Thomas Welsh is going to be an NBA player, whether you like it or not. Well, that's also not 100% true. Uh, he could have a two-way. He could, I don't know what his contract, I don't even know where he went, if we're going to be completely honest. He is draft. He is currently on an NBA team. Uh, I forget who actually drafted him, but he is in the league, so he is an NBA player, um, and I just want you to know that. No, I, I understand that. I understand how that works. Um, I get that those are the rules, and that that's how that happens. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, Adam Morrison was an NBA player, you know? Yeah, actually... And to let you know, well, Adam Morrison was unfair. I think he could have come back at a certain career, but he just, he's a weird dude. Thomas Welsh will be in Denver 90 minutes from me. No. Oh. Uh, and it's hard to choose. Michael Porter Jr., Thomas Welsh. What was the better pick? What was more of a steal? At 58 or 14, I couldn't tell you. Uh, Jesse, I can see his grimacing in approval. I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Welsh was a terrible pick. At 58? Who would you have taken? Anyone else. Except Leangelo. I was going to say, if you, for some crazy reason, had to choose between Thomas Welsh being a Laker and Leangelo Ball being a Laker, what would you choose? Probably Thomas Welsh. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sully. You mentioned, uh, you know, you're pretty close to Denver now in Wyoming, and... You have the trajectory starting off here of Michael Porter Jr. and Thomas Welsh. I think this could be a, a long-term project for you to kind of see how the careers pan out from this point going forward because I think it will be quite, you know, an interesting uh, long-term view here. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, it's something I can certainly do. I actually was planning on getting down to a Nuggets game. I'd love to go check one out, especially if the Lakers are in town. Um, I'm not sure what the cost of those games are. I looked at the Bronco prices, and those are pretty steep, but that's also, like, people are obsessed up here with the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, it sucks, because the Vikings play the Broncos in the first preseason game, and I would, like, go and have a good time. It was, like, $124 to basically see the starters play one, like, one drive. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, it sucks they're going to be, like, 90 miles from me. I've still never gone to a Vikings game in person, but... Um, the trip from here to Minneapolis is much quicker, so I'm going to try and do that as well this uh, fall. But yeah, uh, I certainly am going to get down there. I already got on the Rocks game. Uh, had a little Rock Talk in-state and out-state now as well. And uh, why not get to the Nugs next? 
little rock talk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel that. But it's it's interesting. I think what you talked about, Michael Porter may be the steal of the draft. Would you have anyone else in mind do you think would be the steal of the draft? Uh, it, it's tough. You know, I think – I don't even – so I wouldn't even call him a steal yet because I think, you know, obviously with the injuries and everything, he's still got a lot to prove. Um, I, really, I really liked how the Mavericks went and got Doncic because I think that's they're really their guy. I think it's going to work out for him. And um, the Trey Young pick, I like Trey Young, uh, but at that early, I don't know. I think a lot of people are expecting him to be that next step, and I don't quite get that. But if he does, one thing I will say for Atlanta is they're, they're putting together a good amount of shooters. So even if he doesn't pan out to be that kind of star, he's just like a really good shooting point guard, which I think he can be. I don't think it'll be as bad as some of the other picks may end up uh, being. Um, but yes, you know, one thing I was kind of upset about is that we didn't get Chemezi because I, I kind of wanted him on the spot. I was upset about Chemezi and I was upset about Melton. We had two shots at Mel- D'Anthony Melton and they didn't that take is- either of them. And actually, I like that you brought him up because that would be maybe the guy I'd pick because he, he picked so late. And, you know, I get he, I get he hasn't really paid, played competitively in recent days, but uh, maybe I'm being a bit of a homer because RG had three classes with him in high school. Um, I don't know. I think he's going to be a really good NBA player, and that would have been uh, a good pick. But at the same time, I like both the Lakers draft picks as well as their free agent uh, two-way guys. No, I think I think Melton is going to come out and be a stud. I think he's an all-around dude, and, like, the the only reason that he didn't play wasn't a health issue, wasn't anything. It was, I mean, SC honestly didn't treat the situation very well. He denied everything that happened, as I mean you would expect. But there was ever no no proof ever that he did anything wrong. He the NCAA never got him for anything. The fact that he never and they never told him he wasn't gonna play until like three quarters way through the season. Like he came out and he said, "I thought I had a chance of playing in the next game, every single game." for like three quarters of the season until they told me they're shutting me down, which is, SC did not handle the situation well. I think Melton's a stud. You talk about the Lakers draft picks, I think they're doing a good job of preparing for uh, what they're about to do this offseason because they just put a lot of shooters on the team. They got a big Mo Wagner who shoots. Uh, Svima Kailuk is a stud. The dude is a shooter. Like That, yeah, that was a huge pickup, I think. Yeah, I like the um, picks for where they got them. I also want to go back quickly to the Spurs. Uh, you mentioned Chemezi Metu is going there. A good place to go where you know they develop young players pretty well. And uh, in terms of steals, I think Lonnie Walker to the Spurs is also a steal, especially if Kawhi uh, is out of here this summer. Uh, Chemezi could get some, you know, a little, a little thrown into the fire there on, on the Spurs. They might need him. And Lonnie Walker, uh, he's kind of he's a really good talent. He just had you know some character issues and kind of like reining in the talent has been the problem at Miami. I think the Spurs would be a good place for him to do that. Um, and I think you know as I said, if Kawhi's not there, even even better for those guys. Um, in terms of the Lakers picks, yeah, I mean I've always been a fan of Mo Wagner. He led a team to the national championship game. That's that's not anybody can just do that. Um, and even going back further to the Trey Young pick. Uh, Sully, you mentioned uh, a little bit about him. I think uh, there was, I saw a stat that kind of compared Trey Young's uh, age 21-year-old season to Steph Curry's, or I'm sorry, it's Trey Young's 19-year-old season to Steph Curry's 21-year-old season. They were both still in college, and they were essentially exactly the same. So as of right now, he's on the trajectory. I'm not saying that he's going to become the next Steph, but I think that's why the, that's what the Hawks are banking on him becoming, especially because their new GM, Travis Schlenk, used to work for the Warriors. Um, and so it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I like the gamble there. You know, it, it's, it's you have to gamble if you're re, if you're rebuilding like the Hawks are. But um, in terms of the Lakers picks, 
who knows if they're even going to be on the team and if they're unless, unless they're packaged in a trade. I'm not going to get too attached to Mo yet, even though I saw Josh Hart hanging out with him already on Instagram. But it, it, it'll be interesting. You you said that you have to take a gamble if you're in that pick. Well, no, I don't think so. I think you take a Mo Bamba, and that's a safer pick, and that's a great play. Trey Young, Steph Curry. That Steph Curry is six four and with muscle on him. We forget that Trey Young is like maybe six one. But I'm talking There's about a, there is a college. big no even so. There is a yeah. big difference in the physique of these dudes, and I get it. They're both small, and they both were like like Steph was smaller coming out of college, and he's not. They're not the same player. Like there's obviously I get the comparisons. They're both shooters. Blah blah blah. Trey is way smaller coming out right now than Steph was, and I think a little less talented of a shooter. I think Trey is going to get beasted his rookie year. I don't I don't see Trey having a good rookie year personally, and I think 5 was way too high for that. Yeah, and essentially, you know, I guess it does kind of make up for it a bit because they got a first round pick next year. Yeah. Um, that trade, but yeah, that is the one thing I thought too just is like people do forget about that. Like I just remember I was watching a video yesterday of Steph Curry and JaVale McGee's like softball game and I was almost just like half looking and I saw a dude hit a bomb and I was like oh JaVale McGee hit a bomb and then I looked at it again I was like no that's Steph it's just that when he's around normal people you can see how big this dude is and I think you do forget that you know him being 6'3 is legit size in the NBA and the fact that he can really range out and he can do that in college as well um, is good And, and you know you talk about you know, you could say that both teams didn't have much around them, but to compare a Davidson team to a team that's in the Big 12 with that kind of recruiting money and the players that they should have, um, it's not exactly the same. And you just saw, I don't want to say that he wasn't able to, to spark that team, but many of the games I watched Trey Young play, it was just him by himself doing it. Um, obviously, in the NBA, that doesn't happen as much, but that, it's not like the Hawks have a ton of talent to surround him with yet either. Those assist numbers, too, to me, were kind of misleading because, like, Trey Young's assist numbers, he was – he I mean, he led the league – or he led his team. I mean, he, oh, he led all of college basketball in, in scoring and assists. Those yeah, – they, they felt like empty assist numbers, though, because it wasn't necessarily, like, getting teammates involved the way, like, a LeBron does or even a Steph. Um, yeah. It was more like he was getting these assists and they're just a number because it wasn't always helping the team win. Necessarily, it was just him getting that assist and not necessarily getting everybody else in the game so that you have to worry about other players. It was just all Trey still. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Trey is going to be the next step yeah. and it was like a you know a bad pick or a good pick. Um, actually, I, I saw on Twitter an interesting study that a guy did about the NBA draft and where players that are projected high actually finish their careers and vice versa. And the conclusion was they had a lot of good research. Kevin Pelton of ESPN helped with the research, and it was just a guy who kind of reached out to him on Twitter and did this research. And the conclusion was that literally nobody knows anything. Players can be a consensus high draft pick in mock drafts and then flame out, or they can be like a Draymond Green or like a late pick, like someone, you know, uh, um, uh, who's the guy in the jazz? Stifle Tower. I can't think of his name right now. Gobert. Gobert, yeah. But essentially, mock drafts mean nothing, was Gobert. what the conclusion found out. So I don't really want to put too much stock into was this a good pick, was this, was this not a good pick. I think taking a flyer on a guy who had those numbers in college, like Trey Young, is worth the risk because of what he could become, and it will, it will, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I do agree with that in part. I think every draft has more risk in certain players and less risk in others. Um, 
But basketball is, is a very interesting game just because the game is changing so rapidly. And Trae Young does the, fit the mold of the NBA going forward. But at the same time, I don't know. It's just it's tough to think about that. Like It's not like the NFL. Like You draft an offensive lineman in your first 10 picks, like probably a very low rate of those guys not being successful to a certain degree. Like Unless you're taking a running back or a quarterback, those are usually the biggest risks. Like, you know, you see every year, like Jalen Ramsey, you know, he's a top five pick cornerback is already performing. You can go down the line year, year, in, year in, year out and find offensive linemen that are picked in the top five that are still in the league and are pro bowlers. I think you do have a point there, Nick, that it is a little more uncertain, but like to me, like a guy like Marvin Bagley or DeAndre Aiden is a surefire pick. Like those guys, I think there's a very low chance that they don't perform well. You know, you look at maybe other big men like an Odin, or a, a Darko Milicic, some guys that haven't had a success being drafted that high as big men. And they just had serious concerns that I think people kind of overlooked. I think the scouting is so good at this point that, and you've seen these guys play for so many years now, even though they're only freshmen in college, it's maybe a little more surefire going forward. But I still think it is interesting. That is right, Nick, that you do never know going into it, you know, especially in today's day and age, because guys develop late and guys take, uh, less chances on guys that are like 23 years old that could develop they're already out of the league at that point because they've been playing for four years so it's a different beast for sure and there was a lot of talk this year about I think there's more at least I heard more talk this year about not who has the highest ceiling but who has the highest floor and I think that's a, a good point to make especially when you talk about drafts so like a Doncic to me and, and an Aiden those two to me have the highest floor of anybody in the draft and that means they're yeah. the closest to a sure fire. Like, Doncic is a stud. That dude is going to succeed. Yeah. Like, those guys at the top, there's a reason they're at the top. And, yeah, of course, you're going to get your busts every once in a while, like your Darkos or your uh, was Anthony Bennett, although that guy didn't deserve to be there in the first place. That was a, just a ridiculous pick. But, like, you're going to get those guys. But I think a lot of the time it's interesting to see that those surefire high-floor guys are going to succeed. Yeah, and I know you mentioned, uh, Jesse, you mentioned Mo Bamba and why maybe the team didn't, maybe that was like a better prospect than Trey Young. I feel bad for Mo Bamba going to the Magic. I think that was kind of like the worst place he could have gone. They already have like Vucevic, Biamba, like the, they've, the Orlando Magic have never drafted well, and, and their point guards are Shelvin Mack and DJ Augustine. I think their highest assist leader was 3.9 assists last year, and for a guy like Mo Bamba who needs kind of like a pick and roll point guard, and he's like in a crowded backcourt. I feel like that was one of the worst places he could have gone. So I just feel bad for the dude. But um, you got to assume that they were probably like yeah. eyeing Trey Young, and then when they yeah. got pulled, it was like, all right, well, now what do we do? <laughs> well, you got to have a backup. I mean, yeah, still- I'm sure they had backups. <laughs> it's just like it's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, they could be. You know, even when you have four pretty, I mean, all those guys you mentioned aren't bad. You know, Biombo's a pretty solid player at this point. Uh, obviously, having Aaron Gordon on the team is is good. Um, you know, they could move one of those guys for a guard, too. They still got time to do that. Yeah, I think they need to do um, that. I did, too. I would trade Aaron Gordon because they he's coming in the prime of his career and they're not doing anything, and they're nowhere close to doing anything. So they can certainly get some draft picks. They should just go the Sixers around just to start stockpiling picks. It's not going to hurt them in any way. So, um, I was actually pretty shocked that, they, uh, that the Sixers didn't take uh, Porter Jr., you know, they got the whole process thing going on. Like, they've never been scared yeah. to take guys with injury problems or sit a guy for a year um, and then let him win rookie of the year. But, um, you know, then you got – I thought they would just take Porter and be very cautious with him because, I mean, they won – I mean, they, they won a good series. 
they they played well this year. They can just keep improving. But when they uh, when they passed on him, I was a little surprised. And then they dropped Mikael Bridges and trade him, which was another surprise. After they interview his mom, who worked for the team, and it's like all happy story. And then oh, actually going to the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> yeah, tough break. I mean, it's the, the Suns got. I think will be much better with Aiton and him going forward because he's a pretty well-rounded player already, being a, you know a multi-year college guy. But just you mentioned something right there that now we can talk about officially. Uh, as the NBA awards are going on as we speak, uh, just wrapping up and rookie of the year, Ben Simmons. Um, I don't think it needs to be said, but I certainly think that Donovan Mitchell should have won that award. And, uh, that's, that's just my take on it. He led his team of, you know, a team that had just lost Gordon Hayward and he led them so deep into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, for Ben Simmons, when he get teamed up with Joel Embiid and, you know, JJ Redick already a solid NBA player and just good guys on the team. He had a much easier road and he also can't shoot from outside 16 feet. So, and that's another thing. It's, it's the award is the best rookie, right? Most talented rookie, not the most valuable rookie. Um, Donovan Mitchell is a better all-around player, I think, than Ben Simmons. Like, obviously, Ben Simmons' stats would say like he had the triple doubles, he had all of that. But when you have a guy that is scared to shoot because he can't shoot, that seems like a red flag. And then you saw it in the playoffs when um, the Celtics just were like, "All right, beat us." hit some shots and then he couldn't and he wouldn't even shoot because he knows he can't hit him that's a glaring glaring issue in a player's game to be able to go then win rookie of the year i don't necessarily agree yeah i think it was just an nba technicality like the definition of rookie they're giving ben simmons that qualification this year when i don't think they should have given it to him because he was in the nba last year and it wasn't his fault that he didn't play that 76ers made that decision not to play him Um, he probably could have played near the second half of that year and they just wanted to kind of trust their process like they do um, but yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. I think that Donovan Mitchell was the true rookie and had a definitely definitely a deserving season. And it was just unfortunate that they had to give a second-year player the award when that's I mean just shouldn't really happen. I think if anything, the more disappoint the more disappointing thing than Donovan Mitchell not making it would have been Ben Simmons not having a chance to make it last year because that was his chance and he got pulled off the, off the court. So it is what it is. Um, Jesse, do you have the other results coming in here? I have a few others. Uh, one of the more um yeah, Twitter is undefeated. We know that. And so one of the things, I, as I've been looking for results and, and, and keeping up with this award ceremony, uh, the best thing I saw is they already photoshopped runner-up onto uh, Donovan Mitchell's hoodie and the definition of runner-up, which I thought was quite enjoyable. The newest news off of the press, Dwayne Casey, officially coach of the year. Just a quick hitter there. Lou Williams, um, the sixth man himself, sixth man of the year. Um, that feels like it's just a shoe in every year. You just give that award to Lou. Do we feel like anybody else could have deserved that, like a Fred Van Vliet or anyone? Uh, or? We saw we saw a friend of the pod, uh, Jovan Buha, who now is uh, first day at the Athletic. Congratulations to him. He was there filming Lou Williams in the gym, working on his game. So, you know, he's putting in the work for sure. I, I'm very happy that Lou Williams uh, got that award. I think he deserves it. And um, quickly to Dwayne Casey, you mentioned he, he got a... Uh, he got fired by the Raptors, but immediately got a job with the Pistons, so now he'll be coaching Blake Griffin and the, that team, and we'll see what he can do with them. I don't know if, how, what their ceiling is in the East, but it should be interesting, and glad he's back in the NBA. Yeah, I really like the Raptors' thought process. It's like, hmm, our two stars and our supporting cast continuously fail us in big games. We got the coach of the year. Uh, let's fire him. Gone. <laughs> Players always have the power. I guess, yeah. I mean, it just seems ridiculous. I don't, I don't get it. And that's not only it's a knock on Lowry or DeRozan, but it, it also directly is because those guys <laughs> are the ones that are getting it done. And 
I don't know what you can blame Dwayne Casey for. For well, yeah, I don't know how many years he was there, but they were successful every year. They were the best team in the East this year. It's not his fault. He has to play against LeBron every year. You know, that's just the fact of the league. Um, I guess you know you. The weirdest thing to me is just I don't think it's ever has that ever happened before. No, I think it's one of the first times that a, a coach that had that much success was fired that that soon after having that success. And I think it was just like you said, Sully. It's unfortunate that he had to go go against LeBron all those years. That team was one of the best teams in the East. But that's what LeBron does, as we mentioned on a previous podcast. He he dethr- he keeps his throne by knocking off these challengers year after year, whether it was the Pacers, whether it was the Raptors. And he, yeah, Dwayne Casey got a raw deal, but it's like that's what happens in the NBA. If you don't get the job done, you have to switch something up, and somebody has to take the fall, and it's not going to be the multi-million dollar players, unfortunately. It's usually the coach. And, I mean, luckily he got a job right away with the Pistons, so it's not like he is going to be down for too long. But, yeah, it, it's not how it's not really fair to him. Now, moving down the line here, uh, we got the Stifle Tower, as you mentioned earlier, takes home Defensive Player of the Year. I think we were all expecting that one. Um, and then Victor Oladipo, most improved. I think he really uh, took a huge step in his game this this season. Uh, it's really good to see him get that. And then you took they, – they had the toughest series against uh, yeah. the Cavs out of anybody, really, yeah. besides, obviously, Golden State handled them easily. But yeah. Um, seeing seeing Oladipo really perform was really cool to see. Yeah, I want to quickly talk about Oladipo because I think it would be a good segue into some Paul George talk. Because if we remember when Paul George announced that he wanted to you know sign with the Lakers uh, last year, and they the the Pacers kind of spitefully traded him to the Thunder, uh, saying you know just go to the other conference, get there, and we'll take Oladipo and Sabonis kind of. Everybody kind of looked at that trade as if it was a bad trade for the Pacers, but nobody really expected Oladipo to blossom in the way he did. I think part of it had to do with the fact that he was stuck behind Westbrook last year, and anybody who plays on Westbrook's teams uh, will find that grading after a while at just ask KD. And now Oladipo becomes one of these great players, um, kind of making up for the, making the trade pretty equal for Paul George if you think about it. Yeah, and until he walks away and they got nothing out of it, so. Um, you know, that's the one thing I think, yeah, it, it obviously, they just kind of, I don't want to say it's like a bad look for Russell Westbrook, but you continue to have guys come in that don't play as well with him, I guess. Not that Katie didn't, he's just too good to not be denied there. My favorite thing right now though, as far as the Thunder goes, Melo's post when he accepted the player option. And it really was just a big F you to the entire league saying, I'm going to take $28 million dollars. And on top of that, too, I saw a tweet that mentioned uh, I love that the Thunder had to get rid of James Harden to save some money. And then here you are, what, five years later, paying Melo almost $30 million a year to just be a lop next to Russell on the court? Boy, that franchise did not do that well. Say that. <laughs> well, that's, that's been Melo's MO his entire career. He's always cared more about the lifestyle and the money rather than winning games. He took the money in New York and decided to play on a terrible Knicks team, and now He's gonna try and he's gonna stay on the Thunder team. That's not gonna go anywhere because Paul George is leaving, and Melo is opting in for 27 million. The Thunder are probably like not happy, not too happy about that, considering the way Melo played last year. And he's only getting older, so I think the the years of Melo being kind of that star player are kind of fading into the rearview mirror. Um, and yeah, as we said, Paul George most likely heading out. Just earlier today, the script leaked about. Uh, 
a kid from Palmdale following your dreams. Uh, the Lakers script has now leaked, and it, it also came out that uh, ESPN is doing a three-part documentary series for Paul George. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't think uh, Paul George is going to be doing a three-part documentary series for going back to OKC. I doubt it. Uh, I think that Paul George is the biggest lock of anybody in the offseason to go to L.A., and specifically the Lakers. Um, it, I mean, let's just get July 1st here and let's just let's make it official. Yeah, I'm just excited to see LeBron opt out and we can go from there. But yeah, Paul George, I think that was... It's almost like too easy. You know, I don't feel comfortable about it right now because it's like so obvious and I don't think sports <laughs> yeah. no. you know but like maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being pessimistic and I need to be uh, back to my optimistic ways as we always do on this podcast just uh, yeah basketball related uh, I tweeted about this earlier today but did you guys see Bronny Jr. almost put down a dunk at 13 on a breakaway there we did, holy I did crap good I did see that and I appreciated your follow up photo on that post as well yeah you know, that got way more likes than the actual tweet itself which is pretty obvious <laughs> which makes sense um, it does it's a you know it's a lovable eighth grade seventh grade me whatever that was but yeah it's I, it's kind of cool I think LeBron's gonna be what 36 next year and just the way he's so physically in shape Bronny Jr.'s now gonna be five years away from getting drafted there's like a pretty decent chance that they're gonna play together in the NBA I think but yeah. I can certainly see LeBron going to like 42 and I think it would be. I think he he wants Collins make it a point that he'd like to play a son with a season with his son or whatever, and that would be awesome. Yeah, I think he's on record actually as saying that he wants to do that, which is definitely doable. Um, even if he gets older into his upper thirties or even around forty, LeBron's a player who, yeah, he's relied on his athleticism to be a dominant force in the league, but he's also a guy who's one of the smartest, you know, basketball IQ guys and can still find success on a basketball court even if he loses some of that athleticism just with his passing and his like you know his knowledge of the game so um if he wants to do that we already know Bronny's going to Sierra Canyon uh LeBron we know everything if he if he signs here I think that would be great and Sully uh to your point about feeling kind of uncomfortable about Paul George coming to the Lakers I I feel very comfortable because it's kind of been you know it's been five years since the Lakers have been players in three free agency and it's nice to kind of know that a star wants to come back so I, I wouldn't feel too, you know, upset about that or too uneasy about it. Just kind of, I would say, just embrace it. Uh, we, we're, the stars are coming back. The Lakers are going to be back on top in no time. And uh, the only thing we can do, as you said, is be cautiously optimistic about it. More updates from uh, the NBA awards. We're just waiting on MVP right now. Uh, but one of the best things of the NBA awards that I've seen so far is that Bill Russell just flipped off Charles Barkley live on TV. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that's huge. We like to see that. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think James Harden is going to win this MVP, so we, we can discuss that in a second. Um, unless some kind of crazy thing in the league comes to his senses and realizes that LeBron should be the MVP every year, I don't think it's going to change. But good for him. You know, I think I, I kind of hate the fact that people are like, oh, he, he deserves to get his one. But I don't, on a personal level, like feel any type of negative uh and I have a negative thought about it. You know, I, like realistically, it's like in baseball, Mike Trout should be the MVP every year. Basketball, um, it should be LeBron James every year. And, and as much as it hurts me to say, like in the NFL, you saw last year, Aaron Rodgers is clearly the most valuable player to his team. So the Packers were just awful without him. And if you add him, they're like a playoff team. So there is just always someone in sports that is always going to kind of, you know, like 
LeBron should have 10 MVPs almost. Like you can make that argument. You could go back and look at it every year, what he had to do to carry teams and all that. But good for James Harden. Um, and it's good to see that all three of those former Thunder players now have MVPs and the Thunder have Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> big facts. Big facts yeah. on that. No, I, I mean, I think Harden deserves it. Uh, I, I, obviously, LeBron deserves it as well. Harden just has had such an incredible season um, and was able to carry the team without Chris Paul when he was hurt for a little bit of time and obviously wasn't able to carry them over the hump when Chris Paul got hurt right there in game six and seven of the Western Conference Finals, but that's a little bigger of a of a stage to have to do that by yourself without your other best player. But, I mean, Harden, Harden's been really good, and I think he has honestly started to shift the way the point guards play even, which is another big thing and a nod to what he's done in these last couple of years. It does seem like it is a an MVP award, not for this year, but for this year and last year. And at the end of the day, this is a regular season award, and it's not – I think everybody thinks that – you know, it, it's a playoffs award or it's a full thing award when it, it, this is just a regular season award. And if this was a playoffs award, it would very obviously be LeBron James. And I don't think there'd be any question about that because of what he did in the playoffs. But because all the voting happens after the regular season, I think it's going to have to go to James Harden. And at the end of the day, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I, man, it's, it's tough because it's like the same thing as Donovan Mitchell. Like, if you include playoffs, he's so clearly the rookie of the year. Uh, and it sucks because it's like I know it's a regular season award but I almost feel like there should be like a playoffs MVP or something like that or a playoff rookie of the year because it's like you know you already like you just take away the most important part and in the NBA right now we see a lot of teams like the Warriors who just kind of cruise the last 20 games of the season makes it harder for a guy on that team to win an MVP um I don't know it's weird NBA awards are weird all awards are weird so yeah that's what it is that is the end of the day. Awards are weird, and it's tough to pick them a lot of the time and um, not always necessary. I like that, though. I like the idea of a playoff MVP or sort of like a – yeah, or like – because they have a finals MVP, but I think a playoffs MVP would kind of tell the story of that playoffs and give some love to maybe a player that didn't get a regular season MVP award. So I, I like that. I like that. It almost is like the, the World Cup. You know, they have their, like, you know, man of the tournament or whatever, and they have their leading scorer for the tournament. And I kind of like that because – it gives a chance, like you said, for guys who like may have carried their team but only got to the semis or quarters to be recognized rather than just kind of, well, nice work. We'll just put it down on your basketball reference page and go from there. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for the fast food flavor. Swine, what's on the menu today? Man, let me tell you something. There's a lot of news and a lot of things coming out of Taco Bell in the last week and a half since we last spoke, okay? First of all, some news before we get to the official swine scale item. Some news, triple melt burrito $2 duo. You get your triple melt burrito, you get a drink for $2. It's a great piece, it's a deal, go get that now. Also, we talked about a few uh, episodes ago, the Naked Chicken Chalupa, both of them, the wild and the mild, and we talked about how they didn't have a box for it which is very unfortunate because it is kind of a high-priced item, uh, about $3.50, depending on which one you're at. Now, there's a box for it. Get yourself the Taco Bell. You get a Doritos Locos, a regular taco, and the Naked Chicken Chalupa, and a drink, 5 bucks. It's a beautiful deal for the summer to keep that summer dad bod. Uh, keep that going. We love to see it. And then officially, we talked last time about the steak, the asado fries at 
Jack in the Box. A very disappointing. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Taco Bell has come out with steak nachos. It's a steak nacho box, which is kind of misleading because they always talk about boxes. We just talked about the naked chicken chalupa box. It has a bunch of things. This is a literal box full of steak nachos. And opposite of Jack in the Box where they don't really give you much steak or asada as they called it. Um, and then they don't give you much fries in this. This is jam-packed, full to the brim nachos. You're getting your steak. Um, it's $5, and I was expecting it to not be worth the five, because that's a that's a pretty Have steep to, price yeah. for fast food nachos. But let me tell you, good fill-up ability rating, you know, we're really getting in there. Uh, you get that with one other piece, and you're gonna be happy. You know what I'm saying? So the official swine scale rating of the steak nachos comes out to a, a cool 85. Okay. Very good. A nice recovery from last week. Yes. And, uh, I, I'm very impressed, Jesse. You mentioned the uh, $5 cost. That's a, that's kind of a hefty cost there, a steep price, but it turns out it worked out for it because uh, the other aspects of the swine scale kind of made up for it there. So that's very good to hear. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it didn't really suffer on the price because of its comparison to how much you're getting. So when, when you're able to get what you bought, the price isn't going to suffer just because it's a high price. Like if you can get a $15, if there's a $15 item, that filled you up 100% every time and was delicious, then the, the price really isn't gonna be affected. So the $5 I thought was gonna be a little steep, but it turned out to be just right. Yeah, and I'm just the only thing I'll add to that, that's great to hear. The Taco Bell here in Casper actually is one of the, like, I don't know, like it seems like one of the freshest Taco Bells I've been to. Like, you know, mm. I think a good determining factor, one piece I almost always get when I'm searching the value menu is that beefy Frito burrito. It's a classic. A lot of, time, a lot of times in LA, it feels like it's almost like they got them ready to go. I'll get it and the chips aren't crispy, uh, and that really kills it for me. Every time I've gotten here so far, well, only twice, but it's been on point. It's got that crunch. It tasted good, and uh, I'm just happy to, to be able to share that out here in Casper with uh, you Yeah, no, that's good. And one theory here, and before I say it, I don't want to offend this, uh, you know, drive through guru here with, with, with a theory, but perhaps uh, the fresh food that you're enjoying there in Wyoming, um, because maybe it's actually real meat, because there's probably lots of cows in the pastures out there, and maybe that's why they're using real meat instead of whatever they're using out here in Southern California. They use real meat in these Taco Bells as well. Um, it's jack-in-the-box, so they don't use the real meat in their tacos. So you're just off on the restaurant, but okay. I like what you're saying, and we're talking about the health of Taco Bell. A, a little known fact is Taco Bell is actually the healthiest of the main fast food restaurants. <laughs> there okay. you go. Uh, appreciate that, Just. Thank you again for all doing the research. I That's also have one more uh, note to add, more of an apology. Uh, Jesse, you come over here. We're at the Eagle Rock studio calling Sully in from Wyoming. But over here around the Eagle Rock studio, there's oh, been know. some, some tough news. Uh, first, you mentioned it before. The Taco Bell nearby was closed down. And now a double whammy, the Jack in the Box, is also now closed for renovation. Wow. At least it's not closed for good. I don't know what the fate of the Taco Bell is, but I know that Jack in the Box will be coming back. Uh, I do apologize because I know you like to get your fast food fix uh, mm -hmm. around me during recording time. So uh, I'm sorry about that. If there's something I could do about it, I would. Yeah, I understand. It's, it's a tough loss to the neighborhood. It'll come back stronger than ever. As we talked about last time, my McDonald's came back stronger than ever. Uh, that Taco Bell, I have a funny feeling, is not going to come back stronger than ever. <laughs> the Taco Bell near here, I think, is going to close down for good. There are weeds everywhere in that <laughs> yeah. thing. It looks like nobody has touched it in seven years, and it's really only been probably six months, maybe five. 
Uh, You're gonna talk about the one on Eagle Rock Boulevard, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one is an absolute trash can. It is. It 100% <laughs> is, and it's gotten worse since you've left. Yeah, it's brutal. So I guess maybe – I don't want to ever see Taco Bell clothes, but maybe that one's for the best. Yeah, could be. Also, just saying that maybe a fun little spot if someone wants to open up a, another different kind of food shop there. It's like small enough. I feel like the rent wouldn't be crazy. You could do some good things. It's already got the drive-thru in there. So I kind of – I don't – as I said, I hate to see Taco Bell clothes, but I got high hopes for what could come in next. Yeah. But and- if it's a coffee shop – then I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, but for now, that's been another great uh, rendition of the fast food flavor. And now we've come to the end of the show here. Our super hot, interesting takes and shout-outs. You know you love it. Uh, I got nothing for y'all today, but shout-out to all our listeners, as always. But Nick, I believe you have a shout-out and a take. I do indeed. They're both NBA related. Uh, Jesse, you mentioned this earlier on the podcast, and I didn't want to let the podcast end without mentioning it. And that is Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj bombs during the draft. Uh, we all saw the memo. The New York Times reported that ESPN and other media outlets will were going to be uh, prohibiting their reporters from disclosing picks. So of course, Woj is not going to be ever stopped. He is instead going to go into his thesaurus and figure out other ways to announce the picks without actually. Uh, you know, firmly announcing them. Whether I know I, one of my favorites was the Mo Wagner pick. It's the, the Lakers are not going to be able to resist picking Mo Wagner at number twenty-five. Other ones included, you know, lasered in on or zeroed in on, or they're thinking h- very hard about this. The Grayson Allen one was yeah. great. Like they have no plans to pass on yeah. Grayson Allen. Great. Yeah. So I thought that was just a nice little move there by Woj. You, you know, they can try to stop Woj, but they're never going to be able to. And uh, my take here is also NBA related. Um, I tweeted this the other day, and I want to get your guys' thoughts, actually, but I think it's very odd how when there's a star going to be traded from an NBA team, they, they always say they want to trade the player to the opposite conference. And from my understanding, I, I've never understood this because I, I feel like they're doing that to avoid playing them in the playoffs or maybe just in the regular season. But if that's the case, then if you trade it to the opposite conference, there's still a chance that that, per- that player can beat you on the ultimate stage in the finals, and I feel like that would hurt even more if you trade your star to a player and then they beat you at the you know the highest level of the sport. What, what do you guys think about that theory? My thing with that is, first of all, I think they're just trading them to another conference to avoid playing them in the regular season and not necessarily the playoffs. But then I also think, what are the? I don't know the stats on this. I just feel like it's not a high percentage of a team trading it to the opposite conference and then them both making the finals in the next year and then having like what I don't think that's ever happened would be my guess I don't have the stats on that but I don't think that's a thing so I I don't think they're necessarily worried about playing them in the finals if they're ready to trade this guy away I don't think they're going to be worried about him making a trip to the finals in the next season personally I, I get you, and I think you know when you talk about like the Spurs and Kawhi and everything, like the fear of trading the Lakers. They trade Kawhi; they're pretty much going into rebuild mode. You know, you have Tony Parker and Ginobili are really I, like I can't believe they're still playing at the very ends of their career there. Um, and beyond that, like they have a good amount of young guys, but I, I don't like at a certain point. I feel like the Spurs got to have a down year here to there, and, and like you know, it wouldn't be bad to kind of do that. Um, you know, they got the Aldridge contract too. Like I, I don't think the, the Spurs will ever be sellers, but. Yeah, I don't get why they would be. Oh, I, I kind of get why they'd be fearful of that, but that would assume that they think that they're going to be very competitive the next couple of years, and I don't see that happening as much because unless they really sign a big guy like another Aldridge type deal, 
They're going to need a lot of help to compete in that West that's just getting better and better. Yeah, so I hear both of you guys, and to answer your response, Jesse, I mean, yeah, the percentage probably isn't very high of that actually happening, but then why do they even make that a point to report? You know, say, why do they say, oh, we want to trade them out of the conference if it's never really going to happen anyway, even if it's just, even if it's a regular season. So they don't play them in the regular but, season. So, but what's the point of, who cares if they play in the regular season? Is it for the P, is it for PR? I don't know. And even if the, even if the Lakers were saying, you know, going to acquire Kawhi Leonard in a trade, which I don't think they should do, and I don't think I don't all think of us think we should do that. Um, even if they were, why don't they just get the best deal? If, if they're trying to avoid trading him to the Lakers because the Lakers are in their conference, I think the Lakers could theoretically offer the best package of players, like Ingram or Lonzo or something like that. And if they're going to avoid, you know, getting those players for the rebuild just for the sake of having Kawhi come back to San Antonio as a member of the Lakers and making it feel awkward, I, I think that's just a weird reason not to trade a player in conference if you can get the best deal in your conference. So that's just my take. I just think it's a weird thing that I've always thought about. I just wanted to bring it to your guys' attention on this podcast. Yeah, and I think if you you think about that, like if they were, had some crazy world where they could get Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and they still wouldn't do it, then they would just be dumb for not yeah. making that trade. That would be a pretty scary... I mean, I think they're going to be scary for the Lakers when they added all the pieces, so... I hate him seeing him go somewhere else. Jess, I believe you also got a shout-out, too. Yeah, I actually um, have a shout-out that's going to go into a take as well because my shout-out is actually the same shout-out. Uh, it was shout-out to a Woj, and I'm going to just quickly go into the take because of we just talked about it. And I think my favorite take um, or my favorite tweet besides Grayson, if not my favorite one in general, was the 27th pick. Uh, they are tant- The Boston Celtics are tantalized by Robert Williams. <laughs> Which is my take. I think Robert Williams is the steal of the draft. Uh, falling that low, I think that dude is a stud. Um, and the fact that he's falling into Boston just makes it so much worse that he's going to be able to learn from a guy like Horford and then slide right in there. He's going he's gonna to give the Celtics very good, meaningful minutes next season as a rookie. And it's upsetting to see, but I think that's the steal of the draft. And uh, Robert Williams is a beast, and tantalized by was the best tweet. Yeah, uh, Robert Williams was a great pick there. And if you think about it, the Lakers had a chance to get him. This was a probably a lottery pick last year until he yep. stayed. And now, if you think about the Lakers' plans, if they are able to get LeBron and Paul George and still have Kuzma and Lonzo, what position would they need? A low-end center, a low-cost center. And that would have been Robert Williams, who could have learned from these superstar players and been brought along in a way that maybe, I mean, obviously maybe LeBron would have brought him along too fast or something like that. But at the same time, he wouldn't have that much pressure if he has all these other guys on the team. But, oh, well, he's going to the Celtics. It's tough to see. And, uh, you know, hopefully Mo Wagner can live up to his pick. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be good either way. I think the Lakers, this draft was more to skip pieces than it was a good star, and that's beneficial for the Lakers because they have so many good core pieces. They needed to fill that in on the side. And I think, not that, that other people don't understand that, I think people are always like, oh, you got to get the exact value for that spot. But I don't think Wagner was a reach, and I think he can do a lot of things that the Lakers need. So we'll go from there. Uh, as always, guys, I love talking to you from distance when we're in together. Any way we do it, uh, it's always fantastic. So appreciate you guys taking the time to get into my time zone here in the mountain west um and you know another great episode in my mind always love talking to you always love getting these wyoming updates and now excited for every week for the fun facts that we're going to get from wyoming um i hope they can build a few more escalators because i really do enjoy escalators a lot if we're going to keep it honest like if you have if you have an option for five an option to take an elevator uh, i'd say even up to three levels three or four levels and I have an escalator or an elevator, 
I'm gonna take the escalator every time up to probably four. If we're going five, all right, that's a little excessive. I'll go elevator at that point. But you gotta hope that Wyoming can build a few more escalators so you can enjoy those escalators a little bit more. Yeah, and you know, Sully right here is taking an escalator up to the next step of his career, but still remaining loyal, too cautiously optimistic, and we always appreciate that. Episode 71, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Cautiously Pod, you know where it is. We'll, we'll be back soon, uh, and that's been episode 71. It's been great being with you guys. Absolutely, and as always, follow us on everything, and also, last quick shout-out, because I just got an update on my phone. Looks like my dad just made an Instagram, so Rogo3 Duck on Instagram. Big follow. news. Can't wait. We're following Rogo 3 Duck immediately. I'm upset. 50,000 on my head is disrespect. So offended that I had to double check. I'ma always take the money over sex. That's why they need me out the way what you expect. Got a lot of blood and it's cold. They keep trying to get me for my soul.